I want uh, you to turn with me, if you would, please, to the 21st chapter of John's Gospel. I've kind of been living there, and I, I kind of just entitled this little devotional thought, uh, Some Questions That Lead to an Assignment. And I'm just going to read a few verses at a time, kind of stop there and, and uh, let us look at a few things, and then we'll, we'll work our way through this uh, very familiar story. I'm beginning at uh, the first verse, John's Gospel 21, and it's great to be with all of you this morning. Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee, and it happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, Nathaniel from Cana and Galilee, and the sons of Zebedee and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them, and they said, we'll go with you. So they went out, got into a boat, but that night they caught nothing. Uh, this section sort of seems, you know, the, the uh, crucifixion has taken place, the resurrection. Jesus has appeared uh, to them before and is getting ready to do it again. But I kind of call it, uh, and it's kind of appropriate that it comes in the middle of January, I, I count that they're suffering from a hangover, not, not that kind of a hangover, a disappointment hangover. Now, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands because it would be unanimous and uh, that we've all had disappointments and we've all had setbacks and we've all been involved in things that didn't quite exactly work out as we had anticipated they were going to work out. And so what do you kind of do when you're in that, that situation? Well, we'll notice that Simon Peter does did what a lot of people do, and that is you revert back to what you know. You revert back to what you're familiar with, what you're comfortable with. He said, I'm going out to fish. Obviously, he wasn't just a hobby fisherman. He was a professional fisherman and still was sort of the influential leader of the group because the rest of them said, we have nothing better to do. We'll go with you. And so there they were in that night, and it specifically says in the scripture, they caught nothing. So here they're in kind of this disappointment hangover. Things didn't quite work out like they thought they were going to. They don't know what else to do, so they revert back, and uh, they caught nothing. It came up empty. But in the midst of all that, the good news is Jesus is there even on the nights when you catch nothing even when you're suffering from a disappointment hangover. And so verse four says, early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize uh, it was Jesus. Being professional fishermen, they fished overnight. That's when you were to uh, catch the fish. It's interesting to know that in the no fish night, they didn't recognize who Jesus was as he was on the shore. And he called out to them and said, friends, haven't you any fish? Uh, a question Jesus asked, literally it would say, we would say it today, did you catch anything or have you caught anything? In the Bible, there are numerous examples of God and here in this particular passage, Jesus asking questions. And we're not asked these questions or the folks aren't asked the questions because God doesn't know the answer. Uh, but he's seeking to have, uh, the, do we have the understanding of where we are? Let, let me just give two or three as an example. Uh, the first one is Adam. Uh, 
he and Eve have taken the fruit from the forbidden tree, realize they are naked, begin to sew clothes for themselves, and then go into hiding. And the question that God asks is, where are you? Now, God didn't ask Adam where he was because God didn't know where he was. He was trying to he was trying to ascertain, did Adam have an awareness of where he was? And you remember when the uh, folks came in uh, Genesis 18, which was one of my scripture chapters this morning, and said about next year at this time, we'll come back and Sarah will have a baby. And Sarah was very elderly, as was her husband, and she laughed. And then the question was asked, did she, did she laugh? And then maybe one of the favorite questions in the Old Testament is asked of Ezekiel in the Valley of Dry Bones. Can these bones live again? God knew the answer. He wanted to see if Elijah was aware of what the answer uh, was for his life. So let's go back to the 21st chapter of John when Jesus says to them, the, really the question is asking, is what you are doing working? Have you, um, have you caught anything? I'm imagining and not imagining, remembering over the years that Jesus has asked me a question a, a time or two similar to that. Uh, how's it going for you? Is that working? And can you imagine as hard as it is for a hobby fisherman to say, no, I didn't catch anything, how, how painful that had to be for, for, for a professional fisherman. And then the command from Jesus, throw your net, this is in verse six, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. Now, in John's recording, he doesn't record any dialogue after that statement from Jesus, throw the net on the other side of the right side of the boat and you'll catch something. Well, we noticed back in Luke earlier in the ministry of Jesus with his disciples, they kind of had a little bit of a dialogue. Hey, we've worked all night. As it were, we're professional fishermen. Evening is when you catch them, not the morning. But since you're the Lord, we'll do what you say. I begin. It's beginning to dawn on some of them that this is Jesus, or at least an authority person. There's no sign of a dialogue. They just do uh, what they were told to do. And when they did, they were unable to haul in the net because of the large number of fish. Then the disciples whom, uh, whom Jesus loved, which is John, said to Peter, it is the Lord. And as soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it's the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he'd taken them off and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. Now, I just mentioned a, a moment ago, here's something for us to all ponder they didn't recognize Jesus in the no fish night, the no catch night, but they did recognize him in the all fish catch night, which I think is uh, an interesting take for all of us. Perhaps there are times that when things aren't going well, we don't recognize the fact the Lord is with us and the Lord is leading and guiding. When everything seems to be going our way and everybody's applauding, it seems to be easier to see Jesus involved with us, but, but he is with us. But when they landed, they saw a fire burning uh, with fish on it and some bread. And Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of the fish, 
153, even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them and in the, did the same with the fish. This was the third time that Jesus appeared to his disciples after he raised them from the dead. Notice something, certain things that over the years, um, several years ago, had kind of escaped me. Jesus already had a fire, and he already had fish, and he already had bread. And yet Jesus asked them for some of their fish. Jesus really didn't need their fish, but he was asking for their cooperation. There are times I think we all need to remember that. Jesus is going to make it. God's going to make it. He's asking us to cooperate, to give our time, our talents, our lives to him. And again, since I've been in the Church of the Nazarene all of my life, and much of my life has centered around eating and meal fellowship, that there's just something about it. When you meet with somebody over a meal, some of the barriers are broken. But I also realize that in the culture you and I live in, there's a lot that's pushing against that. Um, a year ago, Suzanne and I were on a, a major cruise, and you have assigned seating in the evening meal. And we were with some friends. But I noticed the table next to us was a young couple. I, I say young, they were in their 30s, which is getting very young. And they had a child with them, probably a, a young elementary school age child. And the, the young child had a tablet with him every night, and the couple had their, their smartphones. And I watched every night as they sat there and ate with one hand and looked at the phone with the other and never, I won't say never, but rarely ever conversed. And I'm thinking, this was a pretty expensive background for you to look at your phone and eat a meal. You could have stayed home to do that. So there's something about a meal that makes us present and barriers are broken down. And so Jesus is having this fellowship meal with them. I even love the part about the fact that it says 153 fish. And like you, I've read all the commentators' ideas about why that is. Is that how many nations did they catch the fish? Because Jesus was illustrating, this is what I'm going to assign you to do to catch fish the thing that I like to take out of it, I guess because I'm a simpler in my reasoning, is if Jesus knew how many fish were in the net, he knows where I am, and we all matter to him, and he hasn't lost track of, of any of us. Then there's this very familiar, very famous conversation that Jesus has with uh, Simon Peter. And he says, Simon, son of John, in verse 15, do you love me more than these? And it could mean these disciples, since Peter had said in front of all of them, the rest of them may all leave you, but I, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. It could be that Jesus in sweeping his arms by as he said that was indicating the nets and the boats and that which you've dedicated your life to is, is that. Do you love me more than these? That's the question. Yes, Lord, he said you know that I love you. And Jesus says, feed my lambs. So, Simon, do you love me? Yes, 
you, I love you. Then there's an assignment. And we'll see in a moment that the, you see, loving the Lord starts with a commitment. It really does, but it, but it doesn't end there. It contains emotion, but it, it's more than emotion. Loving Jesus is a command that will include an assignment and an action. Love is an action word or an action verb. And then again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Remember earlier I said that whenever God, or in this case, Jesus is asking a question, it's not because he doesn't know the answer. Simon Peter says, Jesus, you already know the answer. He was wanting to hear what Simon had to say. Take care of my sheep. The pattern is repeated. Love me, and you have an assignment and an action. Feeding and caring are the basics of tending and caring for the sheep. They are pastoral in a way, not in a way. They are pastoral. Take care of my sheep. If you love me, uh, I, I I lead a little online Bible study once a month on Thursday night, and tomorrow night's my last night. And we're in Philippians where Paul says, uh, be joyful, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. And someone I was reading was saying, it's really hard to command people to get control of their emotions. But the joy of the Lord is a little more than just your emotions. It's a joy that's centered in the Lord. But notice here that love is more than emotion. We live in a culture that pretty much determines that love is nothing more than, a, uh, than an emotion. You fall in love and you can fall out of love and you can't help it. But, but here, Jesus is saying, if you love me, it has an emotional component, no doubt about it but it also must be lived up in loving actions and the responsibilities. So the pattern is repeated. Love me equals you have to do something. You have to take action, feeding and caring. And the third time, and there are those who think that because Simon Peter had denied Jesus three times, Jesus gives him three opportunities to be reinstated, as it were. Simon, son of John, do you love me? Now, Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him a third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. So again, I believe Jesus is asking him for Peter's benefit. And he says, feed my sheep. Loving him involves um, a responsibility. Now, there's a verse that is more meaningful to me now at my age than it was when I was youthful, like most of you on this screen, and that's verse 18. Verily, verily, I tell you that when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you're old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Um, I was um, discussing this and then read an excerpt in a book that I have been feverishly trying to find where I found this. Where, the, where someone suggests that when you say, yes, I love you, Lord, yes, I will help take care of your sheep and your lambs, you kind of take your hands off the control of your life, and he's going to lead you where you want to go. Now, I'm just imagining, since I, I only know a few of you, that the 
many years ago, none of us would have imagined us being in whatever room we are in right now doing um, whatever it is. I, I preached at a local church on Christmas Eve Sunday, and a part of what I said was that in 1975, fall of 75, I was beginning my sophomore year in college, and in the Sunday morning revival, I just felt very impressed. I'd been wrestling with it that God wanted me to go into full-time ministry. I did not go to uh, Olivet Nazarene to be a preacher. I went to be an, I was going to be a high school teacher and then hopefully a principal and hopefully a superintendent of schools. I had my plans all laid out and now the Lord was changing them. So I went forward. Well, that 1975, as you know, was a long time ago. And I've often thought as I was kneeling there in college church at that altar, if they would have had screens in those days on the wall and they would have played what my life was going to look like over the next 48 to 50 years, what, what he was going to ask me to do in response to this, I would have said something like, Jesus, you just come right here to this altar and kill me. I can't do any of that. I can't do that. And so he didn't give me 48 years worth of grace. He gave me grace enough to walk one day at a time and and to trust him. And uh, where we find ourselves today, we are all of us where we are because the Lord has led us. And we can understand a little bit of what he was saying to, to Simon Peter. You just follow me. I'll lead you. It may not be where you would have picked that you would like to be or what you'd like to do, but but I'll lead you. Well, when the Lord has asked you three times, do you love me? And three times has said, tend and feed my lamb and sheep, and tells you that I'm going to lead you to places that you may not want to go. You're just going to have to trust my leadership. When the pressure is on like that, what is the natural human thing to do? The natural human thing to do is to look around and find somebody else that's standing there and say, hey, you're giving me all this. What about this person? What are they supposed to do? And so he looks at John and says, what about him? And Jesus basically says, what is that to you? You must follow me. Jesus, in a very kind way, says, none of your business. You just follow me. Now, we're all interested in what God's going to do in our lives. We're also interested, why, why isn't he doing this in their lives? But maybe this January morning, we all need to just sort of reaffirm today that I need to stop comparing myself with others and just be who God wants me to be and do what he's asked me to do. And he'll sort everybody else's assignment. And then uh, what, what is your assignment? Now, I know we all have official titles and that have job responsibilities, but maybe there's someone in our sphere of influence, in our homes, in our families, in our congregations, in our neighborhood, that just needs somebody to tend to them, to care about them, and to listen to them. This is a part of the assignment we all labor under when we said, yes, Lord, I will follow you. And then... I have been, as I've told you, I've been kind of living with this passage of Scripture, and what I've been asking myself the last several days is, what, what actions, Ron, are you going to take today because you love Jesus? What exactly do you are you going to do today that because of what God has done in your life, you're going 
to feed, to tend, and care for the sheep. Now, you don't have to have reverend in front of your name. And the greatest title is Jesus has never called me by a title. He calls me by my first name, so that, that's okay. Is whether you are ordained or licensed, or as you may think, a layperson, there's a sense in if we say we love Jesus and we follow him, that there are pastoral constraints that are placed on all of us to love, to care, to feed, to nurture the flock. And thank you, NBC folks, for doing that. You're doing it for the greater church. You're doing it for the individuals that are under your ministry. And we thank you for your influence, for your love, for following Jesus to be in the place where you are right now. I believe God has you right exactly where he wants to use you. And thanks for loving the sheep and caring for the sheep and tending for them. And before I turn it back over, I, I want to pray for you. Father, I thank you for these women and men who, like Simon Peter, have heard you ask us, do we love you? And this morning, we still answer in the affirmative, Lord, we love you. You know that we love you. But beyond the emotion and beyond the experience, you've told us to feed and love and care for your people. And there's someone for all of us today who needs a kind word, who needs a shoulder to cry on, perhaps, or who needs someone to intervene in a situation for their lives. I pray you would use us as your hands and feet today. Thank you for the influence of Nazarene Bible College, not just over the last 50 plus years, but to this very day. Thank you for these who have invested heavily in this ministry. Would you bless them and let them know how much you love them. Lord, lead, guide, and direct in each of our lives. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen.